How long have you had your power? Uh, ever since I was born, I guess, but it, it's not a power. It's a condition. Like a sickness? A, a, a disease? Maybe even a curse. Curse. A solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. If you are in a city or root for a franchise that you believe is cursed, then feeling like you're being punished comes with every loss, every misstep, every almost made it situation. You know heartache. You know self-pity. They are etched into your sports jersey. Just like the name of the team that always has the lowest of expectations. You think LeBron can bring a championship in? LeBron? No. Cleveland's a joke. It'll, they'll never win a championship. Why us? is continually heard on all the local sports radio shows. And don't go to Twitter. Stay away. Just stay off Twitter. These are the moments that define these unfortunate cities and their malediction. But in sports, there's always one thing that keeps a collective of people coming back. One thing that they hang on to when times are at their bleakest. Hope. That monkey was finally lifted off of the backs of one of the cities that had one of the worst curses on it in all of sports. The Cleveland Cavaliers were crowned the 2015-16 NBA champions. This was in large part due to a once-in-a-lifetime superstar that decided coming home was a priority. Nothing was going to stop him in his quest. LeBron James will forever be a son of Cleveland. Cleveland! This is for you! Let me say this loud and clear. Does that make sense? Anybody out there wants to throw some questions at us? At MSW Sports. It glued everyone's eyes to the television. Sure. You know, I hear waste of money and things like that. I mean, it's not your money. So who cares? Welcome to Making Sense with Mark and Tom. Here are your hosts, Michael Mack and Tom Hellis. Hey everybody, this is Tom. Mike and I decided to take a trip. Maybe we do a sequel when they win something. How about that? We'll see I won't hold my breath. Six months. In June, what, what month is it? January? Yeah, or February? Yeah, four months. We'll see you in Could uh, be in five months. They'll be okay. there. Will they hoist it? Iguodala to inbound. Shepard trying to stay with Curry. Catches. One dribble steps back. Puts up a three. Won't go. Rebound tip taken by Spades. Final seconds. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. June 19th, 2016. This day will forever be remembered as the day Cleveland's prodigal son came back home and delivered on his promise. No longer can you laugh at Cleveland. No more can they be the butt of a joke. The curse has been conquered by King James and his Cavaliers. Well, yeah. Me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. 
I swear, I keep feeling that because it's so surreal. And I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, babe, we did it. Like, You guys, um, you guys always see the finished product, and um, you know when we step out on the floor, you know either 18 minutes before the game, or if Kyrie's taking a long time to put two pair of socks on and his shoes on, we come out at like 12. Uh, you guys see it from that point to the end of the game, but what you guys do not see is um, the hard work behind the scenes when all these cameras and all these lights and everything is not around, and. I heard a lot of thank you LeBrons today and, um, you know, thanks for coming home and thanks for keeping your promise, but I, I really, um, you guys really should be thanking all the guys up here, to be honest. So let's be honest then. Full disclosure to all of our listeners, Mike and I went to Cleveland hoping that they would win this championship. We followed this team from when we first had ideas about this series all the way to the end. I personally caught myself yelling at the TV as I was watching. I, I can't tell you the last time I was this invested in a basketball game, let alone a team. We got back in touch with Hayden Grove from Scout.com to recap everything that happened. Give us a sense of where things are now with Cleveland. Um, I mean, does it feel different now all of a sudden in the city where the tension had been building and building and building all the way up to the point where they finally won? Yeah, it definitely feels different. It feels as if Cleveland is, is a championship city. I mean, yesterday the parade was unbelievable. The fans were unbelievable. 1.3 or so million uh, came out to, to celebrate what was a historic moment for the city. And, uh, of course, you know, it's all uh, it's all because LeBron James has performance of a lifetime. So, um, definitely a different feel to the city of Cleveland at this point right now. Um, it's one that the city won't soon forget. And, uh, as you said, you know, things did change overnight. It was, you know, well, one minute the misery was there, and then the next minute it was over. You're champions, and uh, Cleveland right now is on top of the world. There's no other way to describe it. Uh, they have their king, and he's ruled, and the, uh, he got the job done. So he's definitely the guy to do it, and uh, he's changed the city's fortunes for sure. Mike, the fortunes have changed for Cleveland. It was obvious. They were up against probably the most talented team we've seen in a very long time, top to bottom in the Warriors. For sure. The best regular season record we've ever seen in the Warriors. And down three to one in those finals. Yeah, those Warriors had Stephon Curry, who was the MVP of the league. They were the team that beat them the year before. Everything, everything was going against Cleveland at that point, and I guarantee you, fans of Cleveland, people that have been sitting in Cleveland for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years all said to themselves one thing. How can Cleveland mess this up? The odds were definitely stacked against the Cavaliers, and they looked to the savior in LeBron James to bring them back from this this weary place that they were in. I mean, they were so down, and they didn't know if they would be able to come up. And being down 3-1 in the NBA Finals, 
I mean, probability is now one of the big topics. It's never happened. Right. So There is no topic. There's no percentage (laughs) that you can equate to Cleveland coming back, winning the NBA Finals, being down 3-1. And they defy odds. They defy logic. And they came out and they were, as you like to say, gangbusters. And they ended up winning 4-3. Two games, by the way, they won in Golden State. And that was the other thing I was going to say. How many games did Golden State win at home all year long? Or maybe I should reverse it. How many did they lose? Right. Maybe two? Right. And what I was going to say earlier was if you're sitting in Cleveland and you're a Cleveland fan, you're thinking, okay, Draymond Green's out. Game game five. We'll win that one. We can do that. And it happened. Okay, game six. We're at home. Bogut's out. Bogut's out. We're really good at home. We're maybe not... You know, Golden State, but we're really good at home. We could win that one. Right. And they did. And then you're probably thinking, okay, it's game seven. We're going back to Golden State. This is how Cleveland loses. They get themselves to that point of almost getting there. And it just falls apart in front of everyone's faces. But that's not what happened. Unbelievably, that's not what happened. And... It kind of just lifted everything. It lifted that curse that Cleveland had over itself. Almost that self-deprecation had just fallen off. Curry takes the three, steps back, crossover, puts up a three! Rebound James with 30 seconds remaining! What a spectacular job by Love. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup! Oh, blocked by James! The shot. Irving and Curry, one-on-one, Irving puts it up, it's good, Kyrie Irving from downtown! To replace the drive, the fumble, and the the collapse. And I heard an interview from somebody uh, in Cleveland where one of the uh, radio shows there said, you know, everybody's just a little bit nicer now. Everybody's just a little bit nicer to each other, and you can feel it all over the place. And... Hayden even talked a little bit about that, too, when we talked with him. It was the most amazing way in which they could have done it, when it coming back down for the one. Uh, he did it with, you know, prime performances. He did it with the help of that he needed. I mean, there was nothing else he could have done. It was the storybook. It's a storybook story, the storybook ending. It's a fairy tale. It's everything you could have imagined. The economic impact that it's had on Cleveland is phenomenal. I mean, yesterday I heard, you know... Various businesses having so much, I mean, incredible amounts of money coming in. Uh, on the day of the championship, bars ran out of alcohol, you know, before the game ended. I mean, the, the impact that LeBron James had on the city of Cleveland is, is immeasurable. And he absolutely did everything that he could. He will be beyond reproach uh, and, or any, you know, sense of um, uh, criticism at all. I mean, the guy has done everything he's he's he set out to do, and he'll be forever the greatest athlete in the history of Cleveland sports, and that's a fact. It is a fact. LeBron James did everything he absolutely could do to take Cleveland's curse away. He had help, though. There were other guys around him. He acknowledges that. But him being an Ohio native, I think he knows the significance of this more than they do. He broke this curse along with those other guys. There have been other curses that have been broken out there in sports. 
One of the biggest ones is the curse of the great Bambino. He got sold to the Yankees from the Red Sox, and from that point on, the Red Sox just couldn't get over the hump. That all changed in 2004. Then there's the curse of William Penn. His statue was the tallest point in Philadelphia till 1987. It was thought that that was the reason why. For the next 20 years, no team from the city of brotherly love could win a championship. In 2007, he was placed atop the Comcast Center, once again making him the highest point in Philadelphia. The following year, magic happened. Swing and a miss, stuck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. Ironically enough, Mike, even after this championship win by the Cavs, hope is still alive in Cleveland. Yeah. It's bled over to the Indians. They're on a tear right now, 14-game winning streak, which is a franchise record. Leading into the All-Star break, they will handily have the AL Central all to themselves. I guarantee you they're going to be looking and saying, we can do this as well, just like the Cavs. Imagine that. Two championships? Back-to-back? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the only set of curses that are out there. There's still some that are alive today. Yeah. No more Red Sox curse. No more Cleveland curse. No more Phillies curse. But... There's one that maybe people aren't quite aware of in the United States, but outside of the United States, it's still there. It's the curse of the Socceroos. A what? A Socceroo. <laughs> it's in the Australian soccer club. They're called the Socceroos. Okay. And in 1970, they were qualifying for the World Cup. They had a witch doctor come and put a hex or a curse on the field. <laughs> He buried bones near one of the goalposts. This is real. This is real. But they never paid him. Oh, you gotta pay your debts, man. So before they left, he said this curse is now on the soccer club. The club really hasn't won anything since. They've qualified, they've gotten into the World Cup back in 2006, but they went nowhere with it. Nowhere. They haven't hoisted a trophy since. They haven't hoisted anything since, as far as soccer's concerned. So... Can they reach out to someone to pay this thousand dollars? They they reached out. The witch doctor actually is no longer with us, but they quote unquote reached into the depths and I guess spoke with the witch doctor through another witch doctor. I know this is craziness. This is real curse stuff though. Like it this is. is real curse stuff. And they sat at the field that this witch doctor originally did this and That's how they got in in 2006. They kind of think the curse is lifted from that, but other people are saying that doesn't prove anything because they didn't do anything with it. They kind of went nowhere with it. So it's kind of one of those things that's kind of still hanging in the balance. The moment they win is the moment I know that a transaction was made. (laughs) Okay? That's all I know. The debt has finally been paid. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, like, curses like that, we laugh, but this is real, and some people take it very, very seriously. Ones that are almost like whimsical. Madden curse. We know about that. The curse where athletes grace the cover, and the season that they're on it, they just flat out have a bad year, or they get hurt. I mean, the curse is something that 
athletes have said, no, I don't want to be on it because I don't want to get an injury or I don't want to have a bad season. And that's something that people are talking about whenever the athlete is revealed to be on the cover. Everybody talks about this Madden curse and guys get hurt because they're on the cover. But I'm going to say this here. The guys that are on the cover are high contact impact players within the NFL. If you're not putting up numbers, you're not going to be on the cover. And then there's a rapper, Little B, who you may know him from the pack if you followed him from his start, had a curse against Kevin Durant because he offered to play him in a game of 21, and Kevin Durant said, well, I don't know who this guy is. I'm not going to play you in 21. This he, is a Twitter curse, yes? Yes. He put the curse on Kevin Durant, and this actually originates from James Harden because he said the same thing that James Harden, Little B, did. And then there was a clip of James Harden going, I, I don't know who that is. And he's like, you know who I am. He put a curse on James Harden, the same one he did with Kevin Durant, saying, you'll never win an NBA championship. And that curse was placed some years ago, three or four years ago. and It's true. Kevin Durant hasn't won anything since then. He's he, come close. He hasn't. He offered to lift the curse if Durant had signed with the Knicks. Well, that's not going to happen. So the curse is still alive and well. Well, he's still going to be making out, I can tell you that. Right, exactly. I, I'll take being cursed, I guess, for the type of money he's getting this year. <laughs> that's a curse I would love to have. And if you're just with us, a tectonic player shift in the league. Four-time scoring champion, former MVP Kevin Durant has decided to move to the Golden State Warriors. And with the recent news of Kevin Durant signing to the Golden State Warriors, Little B has decided the curse is no more. Kevin Durant chose where he wanted to go. Little B admired that and said this shouldn't even exist anymore. It's gone. And then there's one of the most infamous sports curses of all time. The curse of the Billy Goat. In 1945, Billy Goat Tavern owner Billy Sinus was asked to leave a World Series game against the Tigers. How he got in with a goat is anyone's guess. Supposedly it smelled so bad no one could stand it. When he left, he put a curse on the Cubs, and from that point, leading all the way up until now, they've won nothing. They did come close in what is now known as another infamous situation regarding Steve Bartman. A foul ball goes over to the side of the wall. Moises Alou jumps up to try and catch the ball, and poor Steve Bartman is standing there, tries to catch the ball. His arms get in the way. He touches the ball. The ball falls. That opens the floodgates, and I think the Marlins score like eight runs. They lose. Then they end up losing game seven. Finally, we're here in Buffalo. Yep. I think anybody here in Buffalo understands the type of feeling that we've had over the last 30 years, 40 years. I mean, I don't think you have to go further than saying no goal. Hall dropped it behind the net. Jidnik in on McDonnell. McDonnell can't move on it. Now he does. The shot passing down. Rebound score. Mike McDonald with Dennis Hunt with Brett Hall. And the Stanley Cup has been won. On a quick shot, Madano first, not in. And Brett Hall rammed it home. Wide right. Oh boy. 
hearts beat faster in Buffalo. High drama here in the Super Bowl. Here comes number 11, Scott Norwood. The Super Bowl will ride on the right foot of Norwood. Snap, spot, in the air. It's got the distance, it is. Music City Miracle. Do the Titans have a miracle left in them in what has been a magical season to this point? If they do, they need it now. Christie kicks it high and short. Going to be fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the 25. Yeah, pitches it, to... it back to Wycheck. He throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. 30, He's 40, got something. 50, He's got it. 40, He's got 20, it. 20, 10, He's got it. End zone. Touchdown, Titans. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. All of these things. All of these instances still haunts us here in Buffalo. We wait, and we watch, and we see Cleveland get theirs. All we want is that opportunity ourselves. I can tell you that. And a word that goes back to the original Cleveland series that Tom and I did is a four-letter word called hope. We just want to thank everybody for joining us on this revisit to Cleveland and that series. It was definitely something that was worthwhile for us. Please make sure you tune in for the last and final installment in our retirement series, which will be coming out very shortly. Thank you. You've been listening to the Making Sense with Mark and Tom podcast on storyball.org. You can also find them on Twitter at MSW Sports. Listen to this and many other podcasts by searching Storyball on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Archie. Thank you.